Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Now, the Chorus Radio Network presents The Roy Green Show with Roy Green, keeping you informed and entertained. Now, here's Roy. It is go time in the U.S. election with the Iowa caucuses tomorrow. We're going to be speaking with a national pollster later on from the United States. A strong Donald Trump supporter, former mayor of Waukesha, Wisconsin, is going to be joining me. Ninth largest city in Wisconsin. And we'll talk to the political editor from the Des Moines Register in Iowa. And we have a question for you as well about who you'd like to see in the White House in our second hour, Sheldon Kennedy is going to be with me. Graham James has been granted day parole. And uh, Sheldon Kennedy is doing such tremendous work for the kids in this country, protecting them from the likes of Graham James, who, of course, was the predator who preyed on Sheldon Kennedy. Lots to say. I'm going to play back for you an interview that I recorded with a Correctional Service Canada psychologist. You need to hear this. And I'm going to tell you something about the treatment that takes place. They call it treatment in Canada's prisons for pedophiles and sex offenders. If you had the if you had the materials, tell you this much, if you had the materials in your home that they use in the prisons, you would be arrested and criminally charged. We're going to start though with the Syrian refugees and uh, the challenge in Canada and also what's happening in Europe. Your refugees here are stranded in hotels. Some are beginning to express frustration. They want to move into houses. I'm curious what they were promised. The United States Senate and Homeland Security wanted to quiz Canada during hearings on Canada's fast-track refugee plan. Uh, what are the implications for the United States, national security, and uh, our plan to bring 25,000 Syrian refugees quickly into the country? The Canadian embassy in Washington, the ambassador, was asked to appear, declined. In Europe, the refugee issue continues to broil. German Chancellor Angela Merkel has declared refugees must be prepared to return home when the war is over. Sweden is considering removing 80,000 migrants and refugees. And media reports on Friday, hundreds of masked men entered Stockholm's main train station and started to beat anyone who did not appear to be ethnically Swedish. There was a pro-refugee rally with thousands participating in Vienna. When we talk about the refugee issue or anything that has to do with immigration in this country, we always go to Canadian ambassador to Syria, formerly, and Lebanon, Martin Collicutt. Hey, Martin, good to have you back with uh, us. Good to, to, good to be on your show, Roy. And Richard Curland, immigration lawyer in Vancouver, advisor to the federal and Quebec governments on immigration and refugee issues. And you just spent some time in the Socialist Republic of New France. <laughs> yes, I had the courage and delight to be in Granby, Quebec, uh, Wednesday, Thursday. Well... What can I say? Always good to have you back here. Thank you. Um, let's start with let's start with the, the stories that have been circulating that refugees have been brought into this country by the federal government 
I understand the private sponsorships are working out pretty well. But refugees who've been brought into the country by the federal government, at least some of them, maybe many of them, find themselves stranded in hotels and other accommodations, unable to move on with their lives. Some are saying they'd like to get into houses. I've seen on social media that some Canadian response is, why are they ungrateful? But I'm just wondering what they were promised. What was the inducement to get them to come to Canada? Because initially we were told a very small percentage only had any interest in coming to this country. Richard, I'll start with you. What do you make of this? Um, I see good faith and warm wishes. Operationally, uh, it's baby steps. Uh, In fairness, this is the largest single mass migration orchestrated by Canadian immigration authorities in a very long time. And I do see positive steps in future. The transitions being well managed, I witnessed it personally at two of our airports in Canada, uh, and the people are being accommodated. Is it perfect? No. Does it surpass any reasonable standard? You bet. The last time we talked, the last time we talked, we talked about the numbers, and we talked about how wise or unwise it was for a number to be picked out of the air, which which we assumed that that was the case, twenty five thousand. If 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 it's not being managed properly, if it's not being managed properly, and if you have refugees saying I want to get on with my life, then it isn't if they're stuck in hotels. Did they overreach just politically? Let's look in the let's look at the lives of the people who are stuck in the hotels. Martin, what do you say? Uh, yeah, there are going to be huge problems, particularly with the government-assisted movement. The privately sponsored, on the whole, I think they'll be well taken care of by their sponsors. But the large numbers of uh, government-assisted are a problem. I'll just mention something that was on the news this morning, Roy. The Canadian International Development Minister is currently in, I think, in Jordan, but touring the Middle East to see about helping Syrian refugees. And that is what we should be doing. This government, as well as the previous one, all together has uh, promised almost a billion dollars in aid. That's where we should be helping. Only a small fraction are going to make it to Canada or other Western countries. And um, our money goes far further in helping those people where they are in in, uh, Jordan and Lebanon, other countries, than it does bringing people here. Uh, the program itself of bringing people here has a lot of major problems. Um, I think that the average government-sponsored refugee is going to have a pretty difficult time. One Vancouver Sun article said they're being airlifted into poverty. Uh, they have large families. Ninety uh, percent don't speak English or French, and most of them don't have... Per- particularly marketable skills. So I think this is going to be a long-term problem. Richard, what do you say? Well, that may be the case for the government-sponsored refugees, not the... How many, what what percent, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what's the percentage of the 25,000, what percentage will be sponsored by the government? Well, there is the entire debate. Unfortunately, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has been captured on air promising 25,000 government sponsored refugees, and the media won't let him get off that political promise. Why is it the media's fault? If the Prime Minister makes a commitment, why is it the media's fault? It's, it's the and how many, how many refugees has the government brought into the country now? To the pe- oh, sorry, right. It, it, the, the Prime Minister may wish to expend political capital and simply do this. 
I have personal knowledge of faith groups, private sponsored entities who want to match their dollars with incoming refugees. All that needs to happen is when a government-sponsored refugee case is ready to go to notify a private-sponsored group to say, in one month, this family's ready, we will match you with this previously labeled government-sponsored refugee and convert the case into a privately sponsored refugee. In one fell swoop, we save literally $40,000 tax dollars, and we reward the private sponsorship group with the satisfaction of helping a stranger integrate. And are you suggesting that are you suggesting the are you suggesting the private groups, private sponsors, would be able to accommodate and absorb 25,000 refugees? that the government said it was going to sponsor and it was going to bring into the country. Yeah, the government is still determined to bring in 25,000 government sponsors, and the privately sponsored will be additional to that. Now, what I think what uh, Richard's suggesting is a good idea, but I don't think it's going to make much of a dent in the 25,000 government sponsored. And, and the government even talked about bringing in another 25,000 before the end of this year. So uh, the story's this, not this, done. this is not the, working the, very well. The, the story's not done. The privately sponsored group, they have the wallet. They should be providing a profile to cherry pick from the government sponsored pool individuals they think they can support on integration to Canada. Language. Is the education. 25, Richard, I have to take a break. Is the, is the, is the 25,000 or possibly 50,000, which the immigration minister mentioned by the end of 2016, is that, are the, either of those numbers, regardless of the formula that's, that's, that's engaged, are either of those numbers doable? 25 yes, 50 no. Okay, let me take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, continue with Martin Collicott, former Canadian ambassador to Syria and Lebanon, and Richard Curland, immigration lawyer. I also like uh, the ambassador to give us a sense, really, of what is likely to happen in Syria. What's, what's, what's the process going forward there with the war going on? Angela Merkel, the chancellor of Germany, has said that she expects most of the refugee claimants and most of the migrants who are looking for asylum in Germany, to return to Syria, return to their homelands once the war is over. Stay with us. Setting the standard for weekend news talk radio, this is The Roy Green Show, along the Chorus Radio Network. Follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show and the emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. I started to really pay attention over the last week or so on to the refugee story, the refugee file. And last the studio to just put my levels up a little bit more, please. I started to pay attention to the story more so when I heard that um, some of the refugees were saying, and this was in BC newspapers, that uh, they were trying to live on $10 a day or not enough money to get them by. One man's wife has cancer, and he was spending most of the money that he had that was given by the government 
on uh, prescription drugs for her, and they were talking about wanting to get out of the hotel and get on with their lives, and I understood that. And I th- again, I thought, what has the government promised these people, and why are we not being as effective and as efficient as we were told the government would be, as capable as they would be? And we know they missed all their deadlines, the initially uh, promised deadlines. Ambassador... Martin Collicott is with me, former Canadian ambassador to Syria and Lebanon. Richard Curland, immigration minister based, uh, immigration lawyer based in uh, in Vancouver. But I had an opportunity on Friday to speak with Rana Ambrose, the uh, Conservative Party leader, interim leader. And one of the questions that I asked to the minister, or the former uh, minister, the uh, interim leader, was about her view on the refugee situation as it stands today and the government's actions or inactions. Here's what she said. Ms. Ambrose, would you address the Syrian refugee issue, please? The word is refugees are stranded in hotels and are impatient to get on with their lives. And the United States Senate and Homeland Security are set to hold meetings, which will include Canada's acceptance of 25,000 and maybe more Syrian refugee claimants, with the Americans concerned proper security screening may not be taking place. Do you share their concerns? What's your thinking on this? Well, I do share their concerns because... Listen, the intentions of this government were the same intentions that our government has, which was to bring in refugees from a war-torn part of the world and give them shelter. But we made sure that we were bringing in as much as many refugees as the private settlement organizations can manage. And why is that important? Because private sponsorship means that it's less expensive for the taxpayer and much better for the refugee family because they're greeted at the airport by a Canadian family Sometimes several Canadian families who help them settle in the community, help them find a home, get them into school, help them find jobs. It is a positive experience for the refugee family and for the community. And good settlement means less future problems, which is very important. Now, on the security front, when you're bringing in, I know because I was in government, it takes up to 18 months to really do a proper security check. That's what people will tell you in the security agencies. So to rush people in makes absolutely no sense, especially when we're bringing them from Lebanon and Turkey where they're, it's not a great environment, but they are safe. So do the right checks on the ground. Make sure that we are bringing in people that have gone through all of the necessary, necessary uh, security background checks. Now, the truth is, uh, we're rushing this, and so people have legitimate questions. Uh, and I am sure the major- you know the vast majority of refugees are not in any way a security threat. But you know there are people that would use and abuse any system and defraud the system to get access to to our country. And we know that because we've seen it in the past. So I think you know the United States has has important questions that they're asking, and I think it's important that our government answer them, and they got they should answer them to Canadians as well, who want to make sure that we welcome refugees, but they also want to know that it's being done in a secure manner. So there's Rana Ambrose, as I spoke to her on Friday. We'll get to the issue of Syria and how it's likely to end and what the situation is on the on the ground, as Ambassador Collicott would understand it. But let's, uh, let's get on to what uh, Rana Ambrose was just talking about. A couple of things. One was, we're always talking about numbers when we talk about refugees. They're people. The other thing is the security aspect. The United States has concerns about the 25,000 being brought into this country, and they wanted the Canadian ambassador to appear before a Senate hearing. Let's look at the security issue. Martin, um, you heard what Rana Ambrose said. Do you echo the concerns? Is there something you want to add? Is the, is the, is the, is the, is the, is the expression of concern overblown? 
just uh, by way of disclosure, I'm not a member of the Conservative Party, and I was very critical of some of their um, immigration policies while they were in office. Uh, but I have to agree 100% with what uh, Ms. Ambrose said. The security is a very big issue. Uh, an organization called the Arab Center for Research and Policy Studies found that 31% of Syrian refugees are opposed to the uh, destruction of ISIS, 13% had a positive view of ISIS. So we've got to select very carefully. Other countries, Britain, France, the United States, are taking between two and five years to screen them. Uh, and we claim we've done enough screening, but um, a lot of people think that's quite impossible. The U.S. Uh, Senate Committee on Homeland Security, as you mentioned, is looking specifically at security uh, from in terms of the Canadian program, they are very concerned south of the border, and I think for very good reason. We should be too, but we're preoccupied with numbers and uh, bringing people in much too fast and completely unnecessary. All right, we Richard, uh, your ideas, your thoughts on the numbers and then on the security aspect. Well, the numbers are, are a function of political will. During the election campaign, the number 25,000 stuck to the wall, and we're stuck with that. Security, you know, it's almost right. I, I mean, the security is paramount. That's our society that needs protection. But don't look, don't be beguiled by these statistics you just heard. Um, we cherry-pick profile the lowest possible security risk cases, meaning young families with two or more children. No single males, unless they fit one of the exemptions, such as uh, they're, they're homosexual, which doesn't bode well for them in a theocratic regime, things like that. So, and remember, 200 million visits per year occur in Canada. 200 million. So if you're a bad guy who wants to do a bad thing, you're not going to waste your time and resources dressing yourself up like a refugee given the uh, scrutiny paid to the 25 so no worries. by layer upon layer upon layer of Canadian and right. international Richard, so you have, you have no concerns. Martin has concerns. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with my guests. And we'll open up the phone lines to you across Canada listening on the Chorus Radio Network at one 225 8255 one triple eight two two five eight two five five. If you're in the Toronto area or anywhere else in the country, you want to call this number. It may call you, cost you a dime if you're elsewhere. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Toll free. Triple eight two two five eight two five five. Do you have questions? Do you have concerns about the refugees being brought into this country? The numbers and uh, what you know and what you've heard. Or do you feel that it's being handled appropriately and uh, that Canada's doing an exemplary job and the rest of the world should follow our lead? 888-225-8255-416-870-6400. Your concerns, your questions for Ambassador Collicutt and Richard Curland when we come back. From hard news to pop culture, he's got you covered. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I was walking down the street when out the corner of my eye, I saw a pretty little thing approaching me. She said, I never seen a man who looks so well alone. Listen back anytime to anything that we air on RoyGreenShow.com podcasts. 
And you can download as well and emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. We're talking about refugees entering this country and significant numbers, 25,000, maybe 50,000 by the end of this year, according to the federal government. And according to refugees and news stories that where they've been interviewed, they're not happy with what's happening with them. Those that are brought in by the federal government, maybe not all of them, but some of them have some really cons- serious concerns. They'd like to get on with their lives, and they can't. What's the reaction that we're hearing from Canadians? Email from James and Hamilton. It should be written in stone that all newcomers to Canada should have thorough, complete background checks no matter where they're from. All refugees should be made aware of everyday things like the fact that uh, women have a right to vote, a right to drive, and a right to have an opinion. Lastly, natural-born citizens of Canada, regardless of race or religion, have first pick of any jobs available and housing. That's one point of view. There'll be people who'll say that point of view is unfair, but it's a point of view. That is expressed by more than just one person. There are strong views, and sometimes the government is out of step with the people. That's why Donald Trump is leading in the polls in the United States. Let me give you some other stories, some facts. We'll go to the calls, and we have the ambassador with us, Collicut, former ambassador to Syria and Lebanon, and uh, Richard Curlin, one of the foremost immigration lawyers in this country. Here's some information that's come from Europe over the last couple of days. Denmark has passed a law which allows the state to access any funds above about $1,500 brought in by asylum seekers. The Danish government says welfare state requires assets be used up before accessing state programs. Germany, 37,000 refugees and migrants headed home voluntarily last year. Sweden may be ready to deport 80,000. The unrest continues over huge numbers of migrants and refugees um, in various parts of Europe, New Year's Eve in Cologne, uh, the railway station, remains a significant issue with many. Russia is accusing Germany of covering up a sexual assault by migrants on a 13-year-old Russian-German girl. People on both sides are unhappy. But you need fairness. You need to have objectivity when you talk about this issue. In Vienna, there, you know, there were thousands of people who the other day marched in support of refugees. Meanwhile, I saw a story earlier today that on Friday in Stockholm at the railway station, the main railway station, masked individuals were beating people who didn't look like ethnic Swedes. These are all issues you can't ignore. You can't ignore them. You have to talk about them. You have to deal with them. There has to be there has to be dialogue. Security is an issue. Fairness is an issue. Connor's on the phone from uh, Cobacon, Ontario. Connor, go ahead, please. Hello, I enjoy your guys' show. It's first-time caller, and I want to say I'm I'm not a racist. I'm not suicidally tolerant either, and I've got friends over in Europe, and they're sending me information, videos, pictures, and some places, like, they're integrating really great, and there's other places it's just literally like a war zone. Like, my one friend was just like, they're just, you go out the street with your girlfriend, and you walk through the wrong part of town, you have a mob of men just start beating you and chasing you down and stuff like that. And I have a friend who lived in Toronto, I worked with him. He said his cousin just last week, walking down the street through a heavily ethnic area, men were catcalling at his girlfriend, and they were all ethnic Middle Eastern men. He told his girl to go on ahead, and he stopped and confronted the guys and was, hey, you know, that's ignorant and all this stuff, and they proceeded to beat the snot out of him. Okay, Connor, hold on. So, Richard, Martin, either one of you, why don't you, Richard, start with this caller and Connor, and the email that I received from James... These are stories that you hear. They're surveillance stories, uh, but they they have to be dealt with. They have to be addressed. And I find that politicians don't want to address them. And somebody might point a finger at Connor and say, "Ah, oh, he's just a bigot." 
Well, we did have a real... Inter- and I'm not saying you're a bigot, Connor. No, I agree with you. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Richard. We did have a real incident right here in Vancouver where a, a fresh group of Syrian refugees were literally pepper sprayed, pepper sprayed by a fellow traveling on a bicycle. So it, it has been recorded as occurring in Canada, but the political reaction is vastly different than other countries. Our prime minister stepped up to the plate within a very short period of time to express his concern that this is not Canadian values being presented here and offered support to the refugee families, as did provincial and municipal politicians. I understand as that. Did faith groups. I understand that. What do you say to Connor's call and concerns? Uh, well, we have to be vigilant. In a free and democratic society, you will have uh, running amok among us those with particular views that certainly do not represent Canadian values. We, we must watch them. Martin? Well, that was one incident. It was a nasty incident. It should be dealt with firmly. Uh, But it's totally different from the situation in Europe, where there's large-scale open confrontation now. And uh, this this is going to be a long-term problem. We don't want to develop it here. One of the challenges we've had, I don't think we're likely to get uh, bomb throwers or people trying to create mass casualties among the refugees coming in, uh, particularly when you're bringing in whole families uh, and gay people. But I think we're going to have a long-term problem of integration because most of the government sponsored are coming here from UN camps, which are dominated by uh, radicals. And um, I think there, uh, it, there could be big challenge in making sure they get integrated into Canada. Okay, I have lots of callers. I want to get on with you guys. Connor, are you satisfied with the answers? What concerns you the most? Well, the thing that just concerns me is just like it's, it's not saying all of them are like that, but I have a friend. We call him Johnny Bagdax. His last name is too hard to pronounce, but he came from Iraq, and he tells me all the time. He's like, Connor, he's like, this might sound bad even coming from me, but he's like, you really got to stop these planes and stop these boats. He's like, some of these people are the people we left behind this, for a this, reason. This is your friend from, from, from Iraq. Thank you, Connor. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Leonardo in Toronto. And, uh, Leonardo, you have a specific and personal relationship with the refugee issue, I understand. Leonardo? Yes, hello. Hi. Yes, sir. Go ahead, please. I have a question. Um, I'm originally from Iraq. I've been 30 years out of there, Canada for 20 years. And, um, the question here, uh, okay, we're bringing a refugee, that's nice, we help. I have a mother and three sisters refugee because we are a Christian minority. Um, what kind of program that prevents um, refugee children that will not become radicalized in the next 10, 20, 15 years? Because I have also kids, three of them teenagers also. Um, that's question, we, I raised it also in, in a meetings here in Toronto, uh, some other communities. And the question, the answer I got was not satisfied. Okay, uh, Leonardo, your phone line is not the best. It's clipping off, but stay with us. The issue of radicalization, we haven't talked about that in our conversations about refugees, Richard and Martin. Uh, I've talked about it on other programs, but it's an interesting point that Leonardo brings up. What do you do, because we're not very successful, from what I can gather anyway, with, uh, with countering, at least not yet, countering radicalization, 
What do you do to make sure, as much as you can, that radicalization is not an issue with any young people who may be coming into the country now from Syria? Worth talking about, Martin? Well, I think we've got to screen very carefully. And not only that, we've got to monitor what happens to these people. Um, you know, the government keeps saying its policies are, are evidence-based, and I, I think it has an obligation to track how well these people are integrating, because mm -hmm. I think integrating into Canadian values, for instance, the equality of women, could be quite a major challenge. Again, I would like to see more help given to re Syrian refugees in the area. Then we don't have to pro face the problems of integration, yeah, I, of, uh, security issues, and poverty. I agree. Richard, it seems to me that the government, the federal government, is clueless, largely, on what it's doing. It's turning to private individuals and private organizations, almost desperately hoping they'll step up and fill the vacuum the government's created. I see them. I see the federal government, not just this one. It, you could point the finger at pretty much any federal government. Um, they they get enthusiastic about a program or a policy or an initiative, and then they forget that they didn't do the groundwork. They haven't done the fundamentals. They don't have the incremental pieces in place, and then they look for help. I get the sense from this government that they're doing exactly that. They they keep talking about numbers, but they have no idea how to properly accommodate the people. The people, not numbers. The people when they're here. Well, they have uh, the new government uh, occupied since basically November 2015. So they, they are still on a bit of a learning curve. But thankfully, the former government put in place, uh, not, not on the scale required, but put in place operations and procedures to uh, bring in these refugees as well as integrate them, including, I might add, um, the anti radicalization measures from, you know, two, three years earlier. The, the national government has been working hand-in-glove with provincial law enforcement uh, on the view of combating radicalization. So there's identification, illumination of potential radicalization nests and dealing with them on the ground. Don't forget, once you're in Canada as a refugee, Syrian or otherwise, our Canadian security system does not stop at the door of the airport. We continue. All right. Leonardo, final thought from you. What, what would you say Canada needs to do first and most importantly as far as refugees coming here is concerned? What do you say? Um, I think I tell you just a story. I met a Syrian refugee family just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm Christian and he's a Muslim. He asked me a question. What's the best advice you could give me. I said to him, let your kids integrate and become Canadian. Play hockey, play soccer. Don't let them, don't uh, run them as if you are living in the Middle East. Just make them live like a Canadian. Integrate, and that's the best advice I can give you. And he said to me, thank you very much. That's good advice. Thank you, Leonardo. And I, I would say one of the most important things that we can do with, with, with kids who come from another part of the world, in this case the Syrian kids, the refugee kids, Make sure that they integrate well in school. Make sure that they get along well with kids and that there's an initiative that allows them to integrate. You know, we, we're going to spend money on a lot of things. Buy some sports equipment for them. Get them involved in, 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 in Canadian activities and Canadian sports with, with Canadian kids. It's the best way. Kids are the, the kids of the future. We'll come back with more with the ambassador, with the immigration lawyer, with you at AAA-225-8255 and 416-870-6400.
What are your questions? What are your views? What needs to be said? More when we come back. Listening to the Roy Green Show, all along the Chorus Radio Network. Sheldon Kennedy joins us next hour. We're going to talk about Graham James, who's been paroled, sexual predator, and um, Sheldon Kennedy's just an amazing, amazing man who is doing so much work to protect Canadian kids from the likes of Graham James, who, of course, was a predator directly who attacked Sheldon Kennedy. I have a lot to say to you next hour and play back an interview that I did with a Correctional Service Canada psychologist who wasn't very comfortable with the interview, as you will clearly hear. Refugees. Richard Kurland, immigration lawyer from Vancouver. Martin Collicutt, former Canadian ambassador to Syria and Lebanon. We're going to try to squeeze in another call or two in the few minutes we have left. But Martin, give us the abridged version, please, of what's it going to take and you were the ambassador to Syria, you were in Damascus, you know how the system works there. What's it going to take to bring some semblance of order to that region? I don't know if it could ever be a country again, but what's it going to take? It's going to, it's going to take a miracle, because there are so many different... Well, it's terribly places. serious, right? I mean, it affects each and every one of us. Try. As a former diplomat, we've got to make the very best effort. I think that's what the international community is doing. Uh, they're hoping that in six months they'll at least be having serious talks. So I'm afraid even if something does come out of this, it's going to take a long time and there will be a lot more people in uh, distress in Syria and trying to get to Europe and other places. Uh, We didn't talk much about Europe. That's a huge problem, though, and I think what's happening there underlines the fact that we cannot just talk about the best interests of immigrants. We've got to talk about the best interests of countries receiving the immigrants because, as the French Prime Minister uh, recently put it, um, if this keeps up, all of all European countries are going to be destabilized. And I think we've got to look at uh, refugee resettlement with a two-way paradigm, uh, a new paradigm yeah. that... You've got to worry about receiving countries and not just taking care of... I read something today about a European commissioner who is largely responsible, at least to talk about or be the voice on the issue. And he said that if they can keep the migrant refugee claimants numbers streaming into Europe for 2016 to 1 million, that'll be a success. To 1 million. You have rest, uh, restless national populations... I mentioned the situation in Stockholm, Richard, where a masked man on Friday uh, went to the railway station and beat on anybody who didn't look like an ethnic Swede. Now, you can point your finger and you can yell and you can stamp your feet and you can call them whatever you want to call them. The reality is it happened, and that speaks to a certain sentiment among at least a certain percentage of the national population. Richard, go ahead. Well, that's it. Uh, and so we, we, this is a multi-generational problem in Syria that's going to require a multi-generational solution. Uh, either there's, gonna, uh, there's a need to create a new state, perhaps, uh, and, or alternatively, there may be a concerted effort internationally by people who don't like people, uh, government to government, and compromises are going to be required if uh, social stability is the desired outcome. Ambassador Collicott's perfectly on point when he says the influx 
of migrants to Western Europe is a destabilizing factor. I think we're going to see some. I think we're going to see a situation in Europe in 2016, which is probably going to shock people. That's my concern. That once this, once this, once the ball starts rolling downhill, it's awfully hard to stop the gravitational pull. And by that, I mean the attitudes that some people may have and finally, you know, bring forward. They may have been setting them on, on them for a long time, and then when they bring them forward, it's uh, it's really could be could be actually. Uh, Quite, quite extreme. Um, let me talk to Alan in Toronto. Alan, we have 20 seconds for your question. Go ahead, please. I, I just wanted to make a, a comment of, of earlier. You've got, I think the, the attitudes of Canadian Muslims are vastly different than the, the, the Muslims of the region towards women, especially. I think if you look at Cologne, you've got a thousand um, North African and Arabic men that attacked hundreds of women. I think that that's not an attitude shared by Canadian Muslims, but it's a problem that is generational, as your uh, your guest just said. All right. To, to one point, you, you had Trudeau that would openly condemn in a press conference the actions of one man on a bike, but not the actions of Cologne. That's it's an interesting point, Richard. Mm. Ooh, that, I like that one. That's an interesting point. It really is. We, we have a big picture issue that has to be addressed because the big picture issue is what people say. Governments try to steer us in a direction, but the big picture issue is the one that we have to address because that, again, is what ultimately is going to carry much of the momentum, is, is public opinion and public views. Uh, Martin, thank you very much. Richard, thank you very much. Guys, I really appreciate you taking the time. Always a pleasure. We learn a lot. Thank we you learn a lot. Thank you. Um, Martin Collicott, former Canadian ambassador to... Uh, Syria and Lebanon, and Richard Curland, immigration lawyer in Vancouver, joining us on the Roy Green Show. We're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk some about what's coming up for the rest of the show. Stay with us.